like when was the last time we had two straight weeks of unbelievable football like every single game the last two weeks has been unbelievably good yeah it's been entertaining football and um the best part to me for this whole the way these games played out is that we got two new faces in the super bowl and i think that's good for the game it's good for the fans and it's it's exciting and I mean, you know, people are like, oh, well, the Rams were there. Was it like three or four years ago? And I'm like, OK, but like none of the guys who really played into that. I mean, I guess Aaron Donald, maybe. But I, you do. You have fresh headliners. And I mean, even guys, guys like Matt Stafford and Odell, who were, you know, just really mired in you know, mediocrity with their teams, if not less than mediocrity, seeing them get a chance on, you know, one of the biggest stages in sports is going to be absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So with that, welcome to, I, I don't really even know what to call this week. I mean, th- th- this is just kind of like, I guess, Pro Bowl week, but then nobody cares about the Pro Bowl. I mean, the most meaningless all-star game in all of sports, I think. I I would almost call this just the week to reflect. Like this is a good week for us to reflect on the way that the season has played out. A good way for us to reflect on, you know, teams that are looking towards next year, teams that obviously had a great season but came up a little short in the Chiefs and um, the 49ers. Um, But yeah, Pro Bowl to me, it, it was just a vacation. And now it's not even that. Now it's in Vegas. Correct. So it's really it's correct. Just- well, hey, listen, if you're somebody and you're sitting here and you have a choice between living in like Minneapolis right now or, you know, like if you live in Chicago and someone's like, hey, we're going to pay for you to go to Vegas. I mean, you would probably take it. I mean, we got yep. 17 inches of snow on the ground. Not really. Like we have like a foot and a half of snow on the ground. But still, I mean, I would not argue with a little uh, warmer weather right now. Um, but like, like you said, good time for a little reflection and, and start reflecting with the uh, AFC championship game. And I I don't really even know. I mean, do you say that the Bengals won that game? Do you say the Chiefs lost that game? I mean, I think either way you look at it with those two dynamics, I don't think you're wrong. I think you you can make an argument for both. Yeah, and I one of the things that a lot of people are, have been saying throughout this, um, you know, the week after and reflecting on the game and talking about the game, is that the Chiefs lost this football game. You know, granted they're up twenty-one to three, was honestly rolling, and at one point, Josh, you even tweeted like this game's over. Like we everybody thought Mahomes was just rolling down the field and just anything he wanted he could take. You know, and Tyreek Hill making big plays, Travis Kelsey, their run game was phenomenal. Even with McKinnon and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire working him in, they were phenomenal in that football game. And it was almost like they, the the Bengals had no answer. So one of the things that bothered me this week is that everybody, the Chiefs choked. The Chiefs blew it. They were clearly the better team, right? And to me... The Bengals' defense, second-half defense, needs some credit. The amount of ways that they changed coverages and took away deep balls for Tyreek Hill, 
took away Kelsey's balls over the middle. They did such – and their front four did such a, a great job of adjusting to the run game. To me, the Bengals' defense, if they play like that in the Super Bowl, they're, they've got to be the favorite to win this football game if their defense plays that well. Um, their offense is obviously dynamic, but the defense is really what showed up in the second half and to me is what won that football game. Well, and I mean, listen, all the credit in the world goes – to the Bengals, I mean, listen, they came out in that second half. They made the plays that they had to make. However, where I really struggle here is, is looking at this from a outsider's point of view. I tweeted what I did at 21 to 3, and the – Chiefs were absolutely dominating with out routes, quick hitters that were going six, seven, eight yards down the field, quick run plays, Edward Hilaire, Tyreek Hill, Hardman, Kelsey. I mean, they were distributing the ball. They were effective with their play calling. And this, I I mean, the whole game really pivoted on two plays towards the end of the half. The first is the 54-yard or 41-yard touchdown pass um, that Burrow had that brought it to 21-10. I mean, even if you take away the debacle that was that goal line series for the Chiefs uh, when the clock ran out, if they hold – Cincinnati, even to a field goal going in, it's 21-6 right. versus 21-10. Now, you compound that with then the decision-making on the goal line. So you go from what, 21-6, then it was 21-10, okay, should have been at worst 24-10 going into that half. After Mahomes had that mix up there on the goal line, Clock ran out. Different quarterback. Different quarterback, different play calling yep. from the enemy on the sidelines. Yeah. And Everything I, and, changed on that. And for the life of me, I cannot figure out why you stopped trusting Patrick Mahomes on that. Because, okay, yeah, he made a bad decision. Quarterbacks make bad decisions. I mean, Tom Brady throws interceptions. Aaron Rodgers plays in NFC playoff games. I mean, just like quarterbacks make bad decisions. But you don't stop going away from that. And the Chiefs got super conservative in that second half. You know, somebody can say, oh, well, Patrick Mahomes only has 50 yards of play or 50 yards passing in that half. Okay, but look at the play calling there in that second half as well. Yes, the Bengals' defense played better. But then all of a sudden, it was like either, okay, it's either going to go to Kelsey, it's going to go to Hill, or it's going to go to nobody. Who does that sound like? That sounds a whole lot like the Packers the week before who went, hey, you know, you have Mercedes Lewis who fumbles in the first half. Now all of a sudden it's either Aaron Jones or Devontae Adams or no one. When these quarterbacks get pressured, they look for their safety valves. And what good defenses like the Bengals and two weeks ago the 49ers are able to do is they're able to say, okay, we're going to take away your safety blankets here. We're going to make other people beat us. And the number of drop passes – that Kansas City offensive line, first of all, 
it was either Mahomes had 10 seconds to throw or Mahomes had like two seconds to throw. There was no middle ground on that right. at all. Yeah, um, that was that was huge coming from Cincinnati's front four. I think that again, that was a huge turning point in the game is when those four front four for Cincinnati turned it up and got pressure on Mahomes, and he wasn't very comfortable in that second half. But where I go to with my mindset of the Chiefs losing that game are the Chiefs' last two possessions of the game. So end of regulation. You have first and goal from the seven, all three timeouts. The Bengals have, what, one timeout left? They had none. I think they were At that of- point, they had none. Your first two plays, run the ball. Right. Run the ball. They didn't. No, nope. he got Even, sacked. He gets sacked. Just the play calling there, it just it makes no sense to me. You run the ball, and then, hey, third down, if you want Mahomes to take a shot there, fine. But a shot from the seven is a lot different than third and goal from the 15 that then turns into a sack, and then all of a sudden you got to make a 48-yard field goal just to get the game into overtime. Yeah, so yeah, and that again, another bad decision on Mahomes' part is him trying to make something out of nothing. In that instance, third and fifth, it's basically third and fifteen. It's third and goal from the fifteen. At that point, Cincinnati's in a prevent. They're going to line the goal line with corners. There's nothing that you're going to find or or get for a touchdown. At that point, you're just. Let's. Where does Harrison Bucker want the ball? What hash does he want the ball on? That's what you need to be as a coach. You need to be concerned about in that instance. And I felt like that just. It was Mahomes trying to do too much. It was kind of like watching him in the Super Bowl, you know, when he was just against the Patri- or the Patriots, the um, the Bucks, and he was just trying to do too much, and he just he couldn't at that point. Um, but again. You got to credit Cincinnati, especially after losing the coin toss. Everybody in there, everybody in my house, I guarantee you in your house, when that coin toss went Kansas City's way and that crowd erupted, everyone's like, well, we've seen this before. We just saw it last week. What's going to happen? Oh, they're just going to go right down the field, score a touchdown. So can I tell you a story? Yeah, go ahead. So – uh, Chiefs were up, I don't know, like 21. I think it was right at halftime. Um, I placed an advance order for five o'clock to pick up some Mexican food. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking it's 21 10. Okay. Yeah, there's a little momentum shift here. Chiefs are still going to win this by double digits. No problem. Um, I do not see the coin flip at like, I don't see the chief's possession of overtime um, um, because so I'm in the car driving to Santo taco, uh, <laughs> getting that good carry out. So here's, here's where the overtime possession it, again, it goes back to what I said. Those two possessions just don't make sense to me at all. I mean, you then all of a sudden you have Mahomes just chucking a ball into double coverage. I Again, it's- it reminds me of watching Aaron Rodgers. That's what it really reminded me of. Now, 
I'm not about to say that Patrick Mahomes is going to go down, you know, the path of Aaron Rodgers and just choke in the plant. That's not what I'm saying at all. But watching him when that pressure got ramped up a little bit, he looked like a very, very different quarterback. Yeah, he did. Now, I will tell you, Joe Burrow or Joe Burr, Joe Shiesty, you know, whatever you want to call him now, um, that dude's just a gamer. I mean, he – first of all, how many times can that poor man get hit in a playoff run and get up the next play? I mean, he is getting battered and bruised. Joe Burrow is the real deal. If there were any questions about it, I think those questions have been answered. Cincinnati's got their guy. Yep. And, I mean, he when the pressure ramps up, he steps up to those challenges. And he was very, very impressive on Sunday. And that Chase and Burrow combo – yeah, because if you got, look, he's got more weapons too. Yeah, he's got T. Higgins. He's got Joe Mixon in the backfield. You know, he he's got guys to throw the football to. Um, and his uh, tight end going down, um, Uzma or Uzma Zoo or right, whatever. At that point, you thought yeah, that was a big hit. You know, that's his safety net in the red zone. You know, third downs, he loves going to that guy. Um, him going down, I was like, that's not good. Um, but the way that it, they responded, and I just – I love it. And these AFC quarterbacks, man, these young AFC quarterbacks, we are going to be blessed with some, I mean, awesome, awesome football for the next couple of years. You know, And obviously year. we're going to get into a little bit more quarterback talk uh, with a big old elephant in the room. Uh here in a little bit, but I mean, again, the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. I mean, what a time to be alive! Yep. Um, who they think will hey. beat them, Bengals? Nobody. Uh, so congrats! I definitely want to give a shout out to the three biggest Bengal fans I know Jim Peters, CJ Peters, and Mama Peters. Uh, first people I thought about and texted. Uh, as soon as that field goal went through. And I hope when I grow up, I want to be Evan McPherson. I'm throwing that out right now. When I grow up, I want to be Evan McPherson. Dudes just like, I mean, we talking like dudes just got, what was our phrase last week? Gonads of absolute steel walking in. I mean, Massive, my goodness. Huge cojones. Absolutely. I mean, the dude's just money. Um The NFC Championship game. Psychotic, I think, is the best way to describe this game. I mean, it just absolute psychotic, wonderful mess. I can I just say how how happy I am um, for Matt Stafford. I just I'm very happy to see him, you know succeed and make a Super Bowl. Um, what he had to go through to be the guy in Detroit, I mean, that had to be rough. He His only successful season was when he had Calvin Johnson. You know, he had, finally had somebody to throw the football to. Um, 
And now that he's got, man, here's the other thing. People don't realize this. There's another guy on their team, Robert Woods, if he was on the field too. Like the amount of – can you imagine Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham Jr., Tyler Higby? Like what? Van Jefferson? You, right. So then it comes into a who do you guard type deal. Good luck. I mean, and that's that's Good the luck. thing when you look at – I think what ultimately won this game was just the Rams – have too many weapons. Like you can't guard these guys forever. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, you know, going off of the feeling good for Matthew Stafford, you got to feel pretty good for Odell too, because here's a dude with absolutely all the talent in the world who has just been criticized over and over and over again. Um, I mean, essentially was told, Hey, you're not good enough to play on the Cleveland Browns which how stupid do they look right now? Um, But then you got Odell, nine catches, 113 yards. Uh, I just – and, I mean, you have to touch on it. Special teams wins you football games. I mean, you you have to make kicks. Uh, And, I mean, both of these uh, conference championship games have come down to who can make kicks. Um, but man, I, you also got to give just massive amounts of respect to the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, th- this is a team coming in who four or five weeks ago was dead. I mean, just absolutely dead to rights. Um, and I mean, they, they played, I, they went through as hard of stretch of the playoffs as you could absolutely go through. Right. And I mean, they answered the bell at every single turn. Um, and I think they just ran out of gas. And I think this was a game where, and not taking anything away from Jimmy G, I think Jimmy G honestly exceeded expectations on Sunday yeah, um, a did. little bit. Um, but I think this was a game where, you know, you have to have a quarterback to win you this football game. You have to have a guy who can distribute the ball to multiple people effectively. And I mean, you just didn't see that. I mean, the, the leading guys for San Francisco only had four receptions. That was Ayuk and Samuel, only had four receptions. So, again, you look at this as they just didn't have enough offense to get them over that hump. Um, you know, one of my favorite quotes in all of sports is, big-time players make big-time plays. If you are a big-time player in these games – under the bright lights, when it matters, you need to make plays. Garoppolo just didn't make very many big plays to win this football game. And one of the, the stats that sticks out to me more than any stat in the world is George Kittle, two receptions for 27 yards. That guy's got to get the football every third down over the middle. I'm looking for George Kittle. I get Debo Samuel is a has came on to the scene as one of the most dynamic offensive players that is nearly impossible to stop when he's in the backfield or in the slot or out wide. He's difficult to defend. But George Kittle has has been your guy forever. You know, not for – I don't even know how long he's been in the league. But – Long time. Two receptions for 27 yards on only five targets. 
to me is it's not enough. Well, In a big- when you look at what their alternatives were, I mean, George Kittle saying there are only two receptions, only five targets. So, I mean, you're only looking for the guy five times. I mean, again, just like you said, hey, that's your bread and butter. That's who you got to go to. Um, and, and it just – it did. It seemed like the lights were a little too bright for Jimmy G. Now, yep. is he going to get a starting quarterback job somewhere? I, I would assume probably. Um, but I, I do think that's probably the last time we see Jimmy G in a Niners uniform. I, I mean, I think for them – You drafted Trey Lance. You got to go with Trey Lance at this point. I mean, you got to see what the kid can do. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a sad situation for Jimmy G because you got San Francisco to a Super Bowl. You got them to an NFC championship game and they're already looking to get you out the door. And I, I get it. He has not done enough from the quarterback position in the NFL to maintain his spot in San Francisco. But this guy's a good quarterback. He can win you football games. Um, he just can't. I, I, I don't. I. He won't lose you the game, but he can't go out and really put the stats on the board that Matt Stafford did with three thirty on on Sunday. And it, to me, that was the difference in the game, as you said. Stafford balled out. Cooper Cup, man, that guy is unbelievable the plays that he can make how dynamic of an offensive player he is and the Rams defense stepped up big time and those guys Von Miller um, Aaron Donald those guys are you know they've been there they've done it before you know Miller's played in in Super Bowls in Denver and um, Aaron Donald's played in one and he he wants he wants a ring he wants a, a Super Bowl he, there was a sack or something, something happened and he was pointing to his finger. And I think ultimately that's Donald is hungry, man. He wants this more than anything. That defense stepped up, shut him down in the second half. You know, the Rams scored the last 17 points of the, or 13 points of the football game, you know, 17, seven at the end of the third quarter, fourth quarter, it was all Rams Rams defense and offense came to play in those last 15 minutes and inevitably won an NFC championship game. And now Josh, they get to host. So we have two back-to-back Super Bowls where it never happened before. Never. And now it's happened the last two years. Oh, team that is going to be playing at home. But I just also learned during, you know, we've had a lot of extra time on our hands here at the correct. We've been at home for like five days and then we go back to work one day and now we get this snowstorm. We're home again. So I had a lot of extra time on my hands, but I did find out that the Rams will be in the visitors locker room for the Super Bowl. So I guess that's at least the most you could do to make it a little bit uncomfortable for the Rams. Is that Well, and I mean, listen, that stadium probably has about 50,000 locker rooms. And let's be real, the the advantage for them is that on the day of the Super Bowl, the week of the Super Bowl, they're sleeping in their own beds. Right. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Super Bowl week is exactly that. It is a week. I mean, you have media night. I think what media night is normally like Tuesday, something like that. And I mean, you have events Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, leading up to the game on Sunday. Their routine is going to be that. I mean, they just they stay at home. I mean, they get their own practice facility. That's where that real advantage is going to lie for them. Um, 
but, and we will do a more comprehensive dive into the Super Bowl next week. I mean, you know, you and I were sitting there talking and I can't fill two weeks talking about one football game. I mean, some people no. might be able to, but I mean, I we'll do the full Super Bowl preview next week. Uh, we'll get into some fun prop bets. Um, yep. It is fun to realize uh, that for only the second time, you and I will be watching the Super Bowl together. Yeah, it's exciting to end our podcast and be able to like keep track of some of the things that we're going to talk about. And um, all I know is, is neither one of us picked this Super Bowl. I mean, no, that, no, was, I, uh, no one. Listen, yeah. if you would have said that, and really, you go off the Bengals, okay? The the Bengals actually the only person who I know who really said, yeah, the Bengals are going to make the Super Bowl. My cousin Nathan. Uh, Snapchatted me his playoff bracket like five weeks or like once the playoffs got locked in. He Snapchatted me his bracket and he had the bangles in the Super Bowl. I'm like, buddy, what are you doing? Like, are you out of your mind? Right. And he just he texted me Sunday and it was just like a little winky face emoji. And I'm like, you dog. Like he so you know, kudos to him for actually uh locking in this one. But yeah, right. nobody would have guessed Bengals and Rams in the yeah, Super Bowl. Before we move on, the my favorite stat of this game leading up to it is that Joe Burrow, Matt Stafford. Aaron Rodgers and Rex Grossman will all have played in the same amount of Super Bowls. Isn't that something, Josh? That's kind of wild, Christian. I don't know why you would bring that up. <laughs> uh, I had to. I, I That was just something that I've been waiting to say this whole podcast. It's been eating at me a little bit. You know, so here's my thing, buddy. Okay. <laughs> I'm really trying to be nice to you. Okay, I I know, but I catch a lot of grief, man. Being a Bears fan, I gotta take my I take my chances when I can. All right. By the way, I unless you have a cool like seven thousand dollars sitting around, you're not getting into the Super Bowl this year. No. These ticket prices are ridiculous. Yeah, they're L.A. ticket prices, man. It's I mean, it's good unreal. grief. Seven- to go to the Super Bowl and not even can you imagine right can you imagine how much like a hot dog and a Mountain Dew would cost you at this like you are looking at a car payment for a hot dog and a Mountain Dew a day experience at the Super Bowl correct go it would be nearly impossible you got to buy a plane ticket you got to get a hotel you got to go to the gate like $25,000 probably just for two people to go to one game yeah no Uh, thanks I'll chill coming my- from correct. I will chill in your house with a 80 inch TV surround sound, you know, unlimited concession stand food. And, you know, we will be absolutely fine. Um, moving on. I got to address. I mean, the no more goat. Heartbreaking. Our childhood I mean, is over. Like, I mean, all and that's yes. That, are done. I mean, really, the only quarterback that's left from when, like, you and I were growing up is Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's the only one left. Uh, So Tom Brady resigns, and then, well, maybe he didn't actually really resign, and then he he actually resigned. Uh, So I think – the, the whole thing with that is, though, is that Tom Brady 
when he's ready to retire, you know who he wants to announce it? He himself. Does. He wants to announce it. He doesn't want Schefter or Ian Rappaport or anybody else announcing his retirement. He said, I want to do it. So he's like, ah, I'm not retiring just yet. He called his agent like, hey, man, will you just go on and say like, I- I'm not, I haven't decided yet. So that way he, and I think ultimately he would have rather have waited till after the Super Bowl. But I think because of the talk and I think then the Buccaneers probably reached out and like, hey, man, well, if this is true, we need to know about it because we need to start planning, you know, our plan of attack for the offseason. And if you're undecided, that makes it really difficult for us to figure out because you lose Tom. It's ultimately inevitable you're losing Gronk, too. I mean, yeah. right? Gronk's gone. He's The only reason he was playing was because Tom was there. Gronk's Correct. good. He can retire. He can do whatever he wants. Um, I think Gronk would be a great guy to have on Barstool. Right. Like, I feel like him and Pat McAfee would be like, you know, I mean, Pat's kind of doing his own thing now, but like Barstool and Gronk, I think would be awesome. I think, I mean, that that's a match made in frat boy heaven, is what it is. A hundred percent. But, um, I'm retiring did break my heart a little bit just because I started to appreciate like his love of his craft and what he had been doing and how long he'd been doing it. And man in in the arena on ESPN Plus cannot recommend it enough it is fantastic um, but yeah super sad to see tom retire and here's the thing that i mean it needs if there has been any debate it needs to be done the greatest i i almost even want to say football player of all time yep i i, I, I mean he is. and i get that it's hard to do that um And the thing that drives me insane is that there's there's a lot of Tom Brady hate. And, I mean, listen, yeah, I mean, am I going to be upset that there's no more Tom Brady? No, because, I mean, I'm tired of watching him win. But that's where all that comes from, is that all he did for the better part of two decades was win. Yep. I, there were more Super Bowls with Tom Brady in them than there were without him over the course of his career. Crazy. <laughs> I And that's, you know, it, it's one of those where, you know, we need to take a step back and realize there was no one ever like him before him. And I don't think that we are ever going to see anything like that again. Now, did he have a lot of great pieces around him with those runs in, in New England? Absolutely, he did. But – for him to rank first in essentially every single major quarterback stat imaginable. Yep. He is the greatest of all time. He is the GOAT, man. He unanimous Hall of Fame. I mean, just no questions asked. We witnessed the end of the greatest football career of all time. Yep. And and, and I mean, it was. I mean, it was a privilege just to sit back and watch it. Yeah. We lived through some great quarterback play, man. Um, so you know, big kudos to Tom. Go enjoy retirement. I mean, dude's gonna be listen, you want to talk about a guy who I would love if they could get into the play-by-play booth, and I know he won't, but him and Romo, like let's say Nance goes, like that would be those two cutting it up on CBS would be pretty sweet. 
or I mean, even get him with like an Adam Amin and just talk through football analytic. You combine a means love of analytics with Tom's play calling excellent. I mean, that would be unbelievable, but just, I mean, again, you, you run out of words to describe how great Brady's career was. Um, Hey, your football team has a coach. Yeah. And I'm, I, Josh, hey, this is the first time I got to talk my about my football team since they fired Nagy. So this is exciting. But, uh, yeah, Matt Eberflus, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I really, truly am. I think it was their best option of their finalists. Um, Ryan Poles, man, I really am excited about him as our GM. A uh, guy that played in Chicago, understands what it's like was very, very high on a lot of people's lists and GMs, um, one being Minnesota. Minnesota really, really wanted Ryan Poles, um, and he chose Chicago, and he thinks that this is the best spot for him. He could build a football team, and he said it's – and I loved his press conference when he says, it starts with the run. we got to build a line. We are going to build our offense around Justin Fields. We're going to make – the city ish. We're going to run the North. And I just, everything he was saying just made me excited. Um, I love the staff that we are putting together. I'm excited. Things are really looking up in Chicago and Aaron Rodgers is not happy that you guys lost. Um, Luke, uh, I I'm forgetting who the bear, so many hires that the bears have had over the course of this last like week. But um, um, who is your court? The name of your quarterback coach. Um, anyway, I'm I'm gonna look it up. But he was really high up on a lot of people's lists for even a head coaching job. He interviewed in Denver. Um, I'm I'm just excited for what's to come in Chicago. I think it's. It's going to really work out, I think. Well, and here's here's what I will tell you. Um, having watched the press conference. Luke Getze, by the way. Luke Getze is the new offensive coordinator. That was the quarterback coach in Green Bay. Um, if I were you, I and I agree with what you said on the lines of, I think Ryan Poles – did a really good job in that press conference. Um, Everflus, I I don't know. Um, but at the end of the day, like I'm not going to uh, you know, judge a coach off of his opening press conference. A GM, however, he he's got to win the press conference, and, and I, I don't know if you want to say that polls like you know kill the press conference game or whatever. Fine, uh, but I do just think it's kind of funny, like. How Chicago is it that you fire a guy named Matt and you fire a guy named Ryan and then you hire a guy named Matt and then you hire a guy named Ryan on the same position? David um, on name tags, man. That's absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. Um, but again, I you tell me all the time when I say this, you're like, you don't really mean that. This, that, the okay. I hope for your sake that these are the guys. Um, because ever since the Bears organization made the horrific franchise altering mistake of firing Lovey Smith, and I don't know, 
if you want to say firing Lovey. Or Michigan at this point. Sorry. I don't know what I'm doing here. There we go. Can we can we lock it in here, buddy? There we go. I mean, my bad. What were you doing? Like what? I was, I was I had something up and I the sound turned off on it. My bad. Anyways, um, like when the Bears and I don't know if you want to say fire Lovey, but they parted ways with Lovey Smith. Um, yep. I think that was a huge mistake on the part of the Bears organization. And ever since that happened, I just kind of feel like the Bears organization has been in somewhat of a free fall. I mean, you had, you know, every once in a while we're like, oh, this, you know, they would have a decent year, but they've been very unstable with their franchise. And, you know, I hope these are the guys to bring some stability to the franchise um, because I think Chicago needs that for the bears. I mean, you already have, you know, mayor Lightfoot trying to run the team out of Chicago. Um, but hopefully these are the guys that bring in that new era in Arlington Heights. Um, that kind of brings the bears back to prominence because right, wrong, and different, you know, the bears need to be a name in the NFL and the Chicago bears have been completely irrelevant for the majority of the last I almost want to say decade. I mean, again, I know you had, you know, a couple of years, like you won the division, um, made the playoffs a couple of times, but really they haven't been serious contenders in a decade. Right. And I hope these are the guys who turn that around because see, unlike you, I don't have this just like hatred for, you know, your teams. Because you have nothing, you have nothing to hate. It's not like we were, you know, beating you guys or anything like we were the little brother for, you know, 10 years. It's just, that's just how it's been. Right. So and that's why and your so, feelings are different than mine. Right. And, and I mean, you know, so hopefully these guys do bring a little stability for you. Um, so of these new hires, um, I think the one that made the most sense is Nathaniel Hackett in Denver. I just – because there's a reason – Denver's not stupid. There's a reason they brought Hackett to Denver. Yeah, because they want Aaron Rodgers to go to Denver. Exactly. However, did you just hear where Aaron Rodgers just bought land? No. Your wife's not going to like this. Oh, God. Aaron Rodgers just bought land in Tennessee. Now, I thought you were going to say Indianapolis because she does not want Aaron Rodgers to play for the Indianapolis Colts. Anyone who doesn't want Aaron Rodgers to quarterback their football team that doesn't have an elite level quarterback is lying and they're just they're not really thinking this situation through. Like, okay, I get you want to go personality. That's fine. He's the two time reigning league will be the two time reigning league MVP. Like. No football organization should be like, you know, we really don't want Aaron Rodgers. There's like three organizations right now that can say that. Right. The Chiefs, the Bills, maybe not. I'm going to say, unless you're the Chiefs or the Bills, if Aaron Rodgers says he wants to come play for your organization, you're probably going to at least entertain the thought. Um, But, yeah, I Denver, this was – oh, man – 
who was it? It was the White Sox back when Manny Machado was a free agent. Um, they signed it Manny Machado's brother-in-law, right, to try to get him there, and it just didn't work. I now again, I don't. I can see Rogers going out there playing in Denver for a couple of years, fine, whatever. But again, I don't think he's going to the AFC because he would have, especially not the AFC West, where you're going to have to contend with Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. Right. Like I just don't see that. But getting back to the coach thing, I would agree with you. I mean, I think Neil Hackett, I mean, the job that he's done in Green Bay I, it was long overdue for Hackett to get a head coaching job. Yeah, and I think that, you know Hackett did it, it, it. He did a good job. The surprise to me was Vegas going a different direction. To me, that was a big surprise. Um, but they did make a splash with Josh McDaniels. You know that that's a big time hire. A guy that has been such a staple for Bill Belichick in New England now. A lot of guys that leave Bill Belichick don't have the same success as they were when they were with him. Um, But that's interesting to see. Um, I'm just – and then today, I don't know if you've heard the news, it was all over everywhere that um, Harbaugh was going to Minnesota. was going to – and then he came back and he said, like, I'm staying in Michigan. Yeah, and he probably is like, wait. So can we get rid of this Kirk Cousins guy? Because he's kind of a bomb. <laughs> um, so it's like, oh, no, man, we love, you know, uh, this is my Minnesota accent. We love him, man, you know, and they're like, and he's like, no, nah, I'm good. So now Kevin O'Connell, offensive coordinator from uh, the Rams, is supposed to be. Now he can't be officially hired because the Rams are playing in the Super Bowl, but it's rumored and expected for him to be hired as soon as the Monday after the Super Bowl. Um so Kevin O'Connell, I, I'm not gonna lie. When I heard the news, I was like, "That's not good for the Bears." If Harbaugh ends up going to Minnesota, and you didn't even entertain the thought of hiring him as a former player, and I'm happy with the Bears hiring. I'm 100% in on Matt, Matt Eberflus. I'm excited about all the hires, top to bottom, that the Bears did. They did their homework. They went, brought guys in, and they went with their guy. Um, uh, Brian DeBold hired in in um, in New, New York. York. You want to talk about a guy who won the press conference? When he sits that er, standing there and he looks at the reporter and goes, "Late already?" Yeah, right. I, I mean that just. I mean because you yeah. have to have that sort of personality in New York. Well, not only that's a tough market that if you don't win those media guys right off the get, it's going to be tough for you to maintain a job. Um, but yeah, Brian DeBold in New York, interesting to see, you know, he would kind of develop, will help develop Josh Allen in Buffalo, see how he does if, you know, they decide to continue in the direction of their quarterback or decide to move on. Um, I don't, eh, I don't know. We'll see about that higher. Um, but I think really the Bears have made the most noise with their hires from GM to head coach to me. Like I'm 
but it probably is just because I'm following a bunch of Bears people on Twitter. But I'm I'm just very excited the direction the Bears are going for for and I say this every year. My buddy Joe that we had on this podcast told me he goes, "You say this every time the Bears hire someone that you're excited and you can't wait." Well, what else am I supposed to do? Right, and you know? and I think you know one thing you look you know whether it's with uh, Nate Hackett out in Denver or any of these new hires, I you have to you know maybe have some sense of excitement i mean because again if you don't what else are you left with you know kind of like what you said um but i mean hey only time is gonna tell on all of these i mean you know you can look into your crystal ball and just see a whole bunch of clouds because thank you have free agency you have franchise tags on players you have where's this guy gonna land where's this guy that guy gonna land um and a lot of it just a lot of question marks um, to play out over these next few months. Uh, and, and I mean, we're, we're not even done with the season yet. I mean, we still got the Super Bowl uh, coming up in about a week and a half. Um, I I think one thing we got to address too is uh, this old Brian Flores situation. The reason why he wasn't hired anywhere, everybody, like this was the guy everybody was, was for certain he was going to get another opportunity after my, this is, you know, you, get this guy on the phone, you hire him now, but now, and I get, there's a lot of things that go into this. Um, a lot of noise that's being made, but this is kind of Josh. uh, Is it becoming the same thing as what happened with Colin Kaepernick now is that now he's become vocal about this and now nobody's going to get, is going to give him an opportunity to be a head coach just as no one gave Colin Kaepernick the opportunity to be their their quarterback, is what what do we what do we think is going to happen with this now? So I'm going to take approach to this in realizing that the, the subject of race and racial equality and all of that it, it is a hot button issue that hey you dip your toe in it you're about you know, I mean you get set on fire. Here right. here is what I will say. Okay. Um, living in the Chicago area, one, I mean, one of the teams that I can't help but keep somewhat of a close eye on is the Chicago Bears. Lovey Smith wins 10 games almost every year, gets fired. Okay, I I why? Why is that? I don't know. Then you look at Brian Flores, essentially the same thing, almost goes to the playoffs, completely rebuilding it in Miami, gets fired. Why? There's rumors of he doesn't get along with the front office, issues with Tua, whatever. And again, I'm not one to say, oh, well, he's getting fired because of his race or this, that. There is a lack of African-American coaches in the NFL. I don't think anyone will – even argue that there is what would appear to be a great number of African-American candidates, whether that's Eric Bieniemy, whether that's Brian Leftwich, whether that's DeMarco Ryans, whether that's uh, Todd Bull. I mean, you have all these great candidates and they're not getting the job. Again, I'm not going to get into why they are, why they're not. The aspect of, I, we can go off of the race idea forever on this. 
I don't want to get into that. That's not my cup of tea. I'm we're not trying to make this podcast controversial. The aspect of this that's interesting to me is where he came out and he said that he has proof that he was bribed by someone in the Dolphins front office $100,000 per loss. That is the tip of the iceberg for me, that if he really does have proof on that one and he says, no, I'm not going to do that, and then two years later he gets fired, that's where I all of a sudden I'm like, uh, this dude is right. Like He's right. Yeah, and if that comes true, whoever that higher up is, I, that, that's that's essentially gambling and fixing football games. Right. And not only that, it's bribing your coach to wrongfully prepare your team. But here's the here's the, the next thought of that. If he does lose all these games and they do pay him off, who says they don't fire him? Because right. the media is going to see them not succeeding. The fans are going to see them not succeeding. And who's who is always the scapegoat? The coach. Don't go always. Always. Guess what? We're going to pay you $100,000 every time you lose. And then we're going to be able to fire you. And then we're going to can you because you didn't succeed when we told you to lose. It was true. If this is true, this is the most messed up scenario for the Miami Dolphins that I have. It's unheard of. It's absolutely, it's a disgrace to the game of football if this is true. This goes back. I haven't been like this, like, whoa, about, you know, you had the emails with, you know, the owner of the Redskins or the, the commanders, Can yeah. we t- the commanders, the like Washington, the Washington commies. All right. Tell me that's not going to write its own jokes. Right. Um, but that you went with like the bounty gate back with the Saint that the Saints had where they were like, hey, you hurt this guy. It's going to be a. $10,000 incentive or you know, all that. Like if this comes out that someone in the Dolphins front office or ownership was bribing their coach six figures per loss and he has substantial proof of that, I mean, then all of a sudden you're going to look at wrongful termination lawsuits. You're going to look at antitrust lawsuits. If th- this is simply the tip of the iceberg for people and like the, the NFL being like, ah, you know what? We're just going to blow it off and not pay any attention to it. Uh, I think that's pretty harmful uh, and pretty telling about where the NFL is. Um, and again, I don't know Brian Flores. I can't speak to his motive. I know he had an interview with the Saints today. Uh, I think New Orleans could be a good fit for Brian Flores. I think he could fit in well there. Um that now you're almost nervous, like bringing him in for an interview and not hiring him. Now are you going to be added to that? But that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, but he's a good candidate. He's a good coach. He's proven that. He turned the Dolphins' season around. Like, I know, you know, everybody's always like, it's the players when you succeed, and it's the coach when you fail. But to me, you have to be coached well to win football games. Period. Like get Bill Belichick. Like, I mean, that that's that's the perfect go-to. Like, you look at Bill Belichick. Like, he literally just took a Mac Jones quarterback team and with really no other big names on that football team, and they went to the playoffs. So, I mean, th- there is, like you said, a substantial amount there about coaching. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think that this Flores thing could have legs and extend uh, long into the future. Um, 
speaking of extending into the future, uh, I we're looking very, very close here at the end of the NFL season. I mean, 10 days from now uh, is the end of the NFL season. However, that is not the end of LR Weekly. Nope. This is it, this is like the moment you've been waiting for for the end of the podcast. You're like, man, we're really bummed that we're not going to listen to these two, and we're going to have to wait till August or September to listen to these two again. But not as- so fast, my friends. Right, Lee Corso. Not so fast. Um, we are going to transition into our uh, second passion which is college basketball. Uh, Christian, and, and you're a big Purdue fan. I'll say I root for Purdue. I mean, you and yep. I have been to several Purdue games together. Um, I watch you, You're a Purdue fan. I root for Kentucky. I watch Correct. Kentucky Wildcats. This is actually – this will be an enjoyable podcast because – like I don't hate you, you don't hate me. We're not like there's we're no rooting one. for each other right now. Right. Hopefully, until you know the national championship game would be the only time we would play each other. And I mean, I don't, I don't want to do that scenario. Like I just, I can't even. I it was almost it could have happened. What a couple years ago, two and then year, I, yeah. So the last the regular NCAA tournament, then we both lost in the Elite Eight. Your right. team lost in the Elite Eight because they can't box out uh, Diakite from Virginia, and my team lost because PJ Washington couldn't make a layup. Um, so, but we are we, we're going to transition to college basketball a little bit, um, and really, what a great time! Middle of February, getting into the you know the last half of the conference slate, gearing up for March. Um, so, we're, we're going to tra- better- Better month though for college basketball than the end of February, and the, and it, I understand a lot of people will be like, "Man, you're a little late to the party." Like, there's only like nine regular season games left, but this is when it this is when it the good teams are playing well. You know, end of their regular season, going up into their gearing up for their conference tournament. Um, this this is the best time of the year is when there's football. You got college basketball. Um, we were we're hoping for baseball if the owners ever you know figure it out. Sounds like that's going to be delayed though. But um, March is and this year I can actually enjoy it because last year I bought a house and was painting and moving and made March a little bit hectic. And I cannot wait to sit and have we're gonna we're gonna have to get together, man, and watch the bunch of games and the brackets that will be filled out. Oh, correct. Well, and I mean, I, we're definitely going to have an LR weekly bracket challenge. Oh yeah. um, For all of our listeners. So we'll create, you know, groups on uh, either Yahoo or ESPN, you know, whichever one we want to, you know, throw out or, Hey, whichever one wants to sponsor us, uh, you know, if you want to reach out and, you know, help my man Christian get a day closer to retirement there. Uh, Right. So, so that that is where we're headed. Obviously, next week uh, is going to be our big Super Bowl show. Uh, we're going to have one, maybe two or three guests on uh, to talk about the show uh, within the show next week. So, um, we're going to bring you conversation about stupid little prop bets, uh, length of national anthem, color of Gatorade. I the Those coin are my flip, everything. Favorite. 
known to man that we can possibly talk about next week. Uh, we will be bringing you uh, in our absolute Super Bowl extravaganza next week. Uh, so from both of us here on LR Weekly, uh, enjoy the week of rest. Uh, I guess watch the Pro Bowl if you got or, nothing else to do. Or don't. I mean, Or don't. I mean, it's just – it's really not that's what worth told it. You, there's some probably some good college basketball games slated Saturday. Absolutely. Saturday. You Absolutely. probably watch those, so – I mean, because I listen, the Pro Bowl is just an absolute waste. I mean, I are they even allowed to play defense? I don't even think they tackle. I think they just kind of like rally to the ball and they blow it dead. I don't know. I mean, I I'm right there with you. I you know, instead of watching the Pro Bowl, I would probably watch Houston Cincinnati college basketball. I I mean, I don't know. Hey, all I know is Purdue plays Michigan on Saturday. We got to keep it going. Correct. All right. Well, hey, boiler up. Go Cats. Uh, I guess for you, bear down. You have a coach. That's good for you. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is still just a special guest on Pat McAfee and Joe Rogan right now. Don't even know if he's going to play football ever again. So, hey, from all of us, all of you, have a great week. We will talk to you next week.